As today marks our second Sunday for Lent, can we just all sing together as a preparation for today's message? Let us all sing together.
Let us pray together. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and will find pasture. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, as you reminded us last week that, Lord, you are our shepherd and, God, that we lack nothing. And today we will learn that, God, that you make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside quiet and still waters. Lord, blessed be your name today. May the name of the Lord be praised. May the name of the Lord be honored here in this place. May we lift you up up high with honor. And that God, that you take all the glory for yourself here in this service. We thank you for this time together. We give you all the honor and all the glory here in this place. And God, as you transition now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of the hearts for those who will be listening here today. Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, in your sight, O oh God. For we declare, not just today, but for the remaining years and the numbers we have left here on this earth, that, Lord, you are our rock and you are our redeemer. And to whom shall we go? You are our Lord, the Savior of our souls. Pray all these things. And your precious son, just cross me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Let's take our seat and let's take a moment to greet our neighbor at this time. Let's begin with today's title. We are at the second week of Lent. And today's title is called Psalm chapter 23, verse 2. Lead me. Lord, lead me. Today we will focus on verse 2 of the 23rd chapter of Psalm, where it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, in other words, still waters. As I mentioned last week, there are six verses here in chapter 23. And there are six Sundays before Easter Sunday, and today is the second Sunday of Lent. And the seventh Sunday is our Easter Sunday. And as as I mentioned last week, just quickly, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, tells us that David, the writer of this psalm, chapter 23, that he was a shepherd boy. I mentioned last week that all great and godly leaders even though they were full of many faults, right? They had a lot of shortcomings because they were human beings, that they were shepherds, for it represents a reflection of who Jesus is to his church, to our church. And I mentioned Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. I mentioned Genesis 49, verse 24. I mentioned Psalm 100, verse 3, and I mentioned 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, where it talks about that he is, Jesus is our shepherd, and he is the overseer of our souls. 
that we were once like orphans, like lost sheep out in the street, lost, going astray. But our shepherd, our overseer, have brought us back into his loving arms, back into his home. So we're reminded here today that in the season of Lent in the year 2022, that Jesus is our shepherd and that we are his sheep. And I'm not talking about just the qualities, the animal qualities of the sheep, but I mentioned last week, I'm talking about the spiritual qualities. The spiritual qualities are those of those sheep that follow Jesus Christ as his disciples, who obediently follow and listens and hears and acts according to the voice of Jesus Christ. The question is, are we his sheep or are we goats, stubborn, independent, living our own lives, our own dreams, away from our Lord Jesus Christ? So a passage that correlates to verse 2 of the 23rd chapter of Psalms is found in John chapter 10, verse 9, and let's all read this together. Ready? One, two, three. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Amen. So we remind ourselves today that my shepherd, starting at point number one, makes me. Makes me. Yes, he created me, but that's not the make that I'm talking about. That he makes me. He forces, in a sense, he forces me, he brings me to a place where we do not really want to be because we want to be somewhere else. By nature, in our human nature, we're like goats. We want to go according to our own timing. We want to go according to our own, or our own way to what is fitting for our season, for our life. But again, God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. His ways are not like our ways. His ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. So with this point number one, very quickly, let's share some facts about sheep. Here are some fun facts. Just like when you open up those little candies and it gives you the answer, like those Snapple, the fun facts, the truth or not truth. Like camels, is it true? that sheep can go a long time without water, yes or no? What do you think? Yes, they can, actually. They can drink up to nine liters of water. So just to get an idea of what... Nine liter looks like, this here is about 20, 18, 18 liters. Oh, it's heavy. <laughs> the sheep, they really do rely and depend on the shepherd, literally for everything. Sheep are, letter A, they're needy. Letter B, dependent. Letter C, helpless. And letter D, senseless. There's a reason why I put it next to D, senseless. 
<laughs> In simple words, they're not the brightest of all animals. And true story, I've shared this story before. Sheep, when left alone in eastern Turkey, as the shepherds went away for a quick moment, they realized all their sheep were gone. True story, as one jumped, 1,500 followed to a cliff, to a ravine, a canyon, 400 dying instantly and cushioning the rest that followed, injuring many. And this is how much guidance sheep needs. Therefore, when we say, my shepherd makes me, it means that we can trust when God leads us in a place, in a place of direction, in a season of our lives, that even though we think in our thoughts that this is not where I'm supposed to be, we trust his guidance and we trust his leading. We hear kids complaining, saying things, oh, my parents, they make me go to church. My teacher, he or she makes me do this and that. And when we say things, oh, my parents makes me do this, they make me do that. Please don't say that in front of orphans. For they will often tell you, you have no idea how blessed you are. That you have someone, an overseer, that is taking care of you. That cares enough to ask you, have you eaten? And to call you and to check up on you. And I understand that it can be annoying to have someone to make you do something. But you can trust it because they love you and they care for you. To receive calls from our parents for them to make you, again, in love, is a blessing. Amen? So when it says, he makes me. My shepherd makes me. You must realize that as sheep, we are needy, we are dependent, we are helpless, and we are senseless. We need his guidance, amen? So in contrast to sheep, goats are very independent and strong-headed, as the Bible tells us, but sheep, they really do rely and depend on the shepherd for everything. Leading to point number two. My shepherd, number two, lays me down. Where? Verse two tells us in green pastures. Lays me down. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, it says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Finding rest in Jesus Christ is easy. It's light work. It's easy peasy. There's nothing easier than finding rest in Jesus Christ. What do you do? You just go and you surrender and you lay and you sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and you just listen. You give your heart, you pour out your soul, you pour out everything you have and you just listen and you stay at the feet of Jesus Christ. What was the difference between Martha and between Mary, the two sisters, the siblings of Lazarus? 
It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42, that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha, the oldest sister, the oldest sibling of the three, opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That's the key here. Who sat at the Lord's feet doing what? Listening to what Jesus was saying. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? And you'll see the contrast between sitting and working. There's time to work, of course, but there's a time to sit and to find rest in God. Just like we can't always be working out. We can't always be working. As our body, as our minds, it needs to rest. Here, Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Tell her to help me. What does Jesus say? Verse 41, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. What is that one? Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. What is that one thing? Sitting at the Lord's feet, listening. Which leads to our sub-points, letter A, recline at the feet of Jesus. Let her be rest at the feet of Jesus. Let her see, listen at the feet of Jesus. And let her be at the feet of Jesus. Most of the success in your life, it comes from not just hard work, but just being present and showing up to work. And the opportunity comes. Be at the feet of Jesus. John chapter 6, 27 to 35, but I'm focusing on verse 28 to 30. And we went over this passage during communion on Ash Wednesday. These individuals, they see Jesus doing the miracle, the feeding of the thousands, and they follow Jesus, they're excited, and everyone loves a miracle. And when they find Jesus, Jesus, he says, I will give you a food that will not spoil, a food that will endure to eternal life. And then in verse 28, these individuals, these Jewish individuals, they ask them, what must we do to do the works God requires? How does Jesus respond? Verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? A lot of do-do. Do, 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 do. But Jesus just says, believe. That's all you need to do. 
And then later he says in verse 35, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And that's what Mary was doing at the feet of Jesus, listening. She was reclining at the feet of Jesus. She was resting at the feet of Jesus. She was listening at the feet of Jesus. And she was being, she was present at the feet of Jesus. Spiritually, she was feeding on the bread of life. Spiritually, she was drinking the spiritual water, the everlasting water, a well that comes from the word of Jesus Christ. And why at the feet of Jesus, you ask? Because feet represents humility. When you're listening at the feet of someone, you're either sitting on the ground or you are on your knees, but that person is above you, which represents humility. And Jesus is not a God that says, you guys obey me and you serve me only. But he showed it with his life on this earth with true humility when he washed the feet of his disciples before his crucifixion. And that is the season of Lent that we're in. As Jesus enters Jerusalem, as he has the last Passover meal, Jesus, he reclines and he washes the feet of his disciples. John 13, verse 1 through 9, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. I pray that phrase will bring tears to your heart and to your ears, that he loves you to the end. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. As you're reclining at the feet of Jesus, as you're being at the feet of Jesus, as you're resting at the feet of Jesus, as you're finding refuge at the feet of Jesus, know that God has a will, God has a plan for your life. His love for you is infinite. But the devil also has an infinite hatred towards you, has a plan to prompt your heart, to urge your heart, to betray our living God, Jesus Christ. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. I also had a plan of using that water and maybe do a little bit of washing, because I know some of your feet are, <laughs> I could even smell it from here, especially that little dirt thing that gets stuck on your thumb, thumb toe. Oh, <laughs> never, you guys, those who are laughing, you guys know, that means you have it. <laughs> but for the sake of continuing on with the service, let's just visualize it. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, taking off his outer garment, wrapping a towel around his waist because he loved his disciples and his people to the end. He knows what's about to come. And he knows he is innocent. Everyone else knows he is innocent. And he's about to go on the cross all the way. There's no greater persecution than a gruesome death than the crucifixion. Let us be like Peter, where we realize quickly, right away, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well, meaning my whole being. As Mary was reclining at the feet of Jesus, resting at the feet of Jesus, listening at the feet of Jesus, being at the feet of Jesus, As Peter and the disciples, we must recline, rest, listen, be, stay at the feet of Jesus. Not just my feet, but my whole being. From head to toe, inside out, Jesus, wash me, Jesus. If you don't wash me, I cannot be with you. Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. And we as Christians were able to humble ourselves to recline, to rest, to listen, and to be at the feet of Jesus. And we could humble ourselves because Jesus, he shows us the way. The word and the definition of humility it stems from Jesus Christ. There is no greater act and there is no greater definition of humility than who Jesus is, than what Jesus Christ did. The incarnation of Jesus Christ, Him becoming a human form, fully man, fully God, in an infant state coming to this earth, there's no greater act of humility. Being born in a manger, there's no greater act of humility. The cross, the death, the resurrection, the life of Jesus Christ, the heart of Jesus Christ, etc., etc., etc. There's no greater person who ever lived on this earth 
who was humble like our king. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. But he came to serve his people. He came to serve you. And he showed it in the washing of the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. So symbolically, spiritually, metaphorically, physically, as he washed the feet of the disciples' feet, he's washing not just our feet. And as Peter declared, Lord, not just my feet, but my whole being, Lord, my hands and my head as well. Jesus, wash me. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, the amazing missionary Paul, the great Paul, he wrote this about Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 to 11, focusing on 6 to 8, but let's begin from verse 2. Paul says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He's talking about having the spirit and the mind of Christ. Verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. What is humility? It's not, oh, I stink. Oh, I'm a warm. I'm no good. That's just low confidence, low self-esteem. That's not humility. That's fakeness. God doesn't call you to have low self-esteem, low confidence. The definition of humility is valuing others above yourselves, putting others' needs above your own. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The mentality is the key. And 6 to 8 is the key here. He gives an example of Jesus Christ who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We live in the upside-down kingdom. Christianity is all about the upside-down kingdom. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. And Paul goes on, therefore, verse 9, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Because he humbled himself, even to death and death on a cross. God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name. And his name is Jesus. That every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, is what Mary was doing. As she reclined, as she rested, as she listened 
and as she was staying and being at the feet of Jesus Christ. So again, point number one, my shepherd makes me. My shepherd lays me down, number two. And last point here, point number three, leads me, leads me beside quiet waters, still waters, just like the song that we sang. We will be still and know that you, my shepherd, are my God. What does it say in verse 2? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. He leads me. My shepherd leads me. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9 through 10. To say to the captives, come out. Captives are prisoners, those who are oppressed. Come out. Like Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. Stop hiding in plain sight. Come out in plain sight. And to those in darkness, like orphans, like goats, who are lost out in the world, come out. Come out from that dark place. Be free. They will feed inside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. Who is the one that has compassion on you? It's our shepherd, Jesus Christ. He leads me. My shepherd leads me. With what? Letter A, unlimited food. There is no time limit to this buffet. unlimited. Limitless, you will never run out. Ezekiel chapter 34 verse 14 says, I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. And John 6 35 says that Jesus declared I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, which leads to our point B, a limited water. John 4, 13-14 says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's talking about the physical water at the well to the woman at the well. Verse 11, but whoever drinks the water I give them, spiritual water, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Revelation 22 verse 1 says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it comes from Jesus Christ himself. So unlimited food, unlimited water, letter C, D, E, and F is infinite. So letter C, infinite joy. Revelation 7, 17 says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. 
He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more tears, no more mourning. There will be infinite joy in Christ. Psalm 36, verse 8, they feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. Psalm 46, verse 4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. Letter D, E, and F. Letter D is this, infinite peace. Letter E, infinite rest. Letter F, infinite refuge. Just like Elijah in 1 Kings 17, verse 16, where he had unlimited and limitless oil and flour. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. There was famine in the land at this time. There was no food. There was no water. People were dying of hunger. And his oil and the flour did not run out. In God, there is more than enough. There is always left over. He is able to feed everyone infinitely, forever and ever and ever. For his river, his food, it does not run out. It does not run dry. May we remember today all the promises that we have in Jesus Christ. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet, still waters. My shepherd makes me, my shepherd lays me down, and my shepherd leads me. With unlimited food, unlimited water, infinite joy, infinite peace, infinite rest, and infinite refuge. God gives to his people these limitless and infinite and unlimited things, which means that God is able to heal all the broken hearts and bring rest to our souls. And he bestows upon us peace to our minds and also our hearts. May God fill our hearts today with infinite food, and with infinite water. When the shepherd leads us, when our Lord Jesus Christ leads us, our lives, our minds, our hearts are healed and restored. And I'm ending with this. And the question, why does God do all this for us? Why? Why would God go out of his way to send this one and only son to die on the cross for us? I will tell you why. And this is what the scripture tells us. This is why the word of God is important. This is what the word of God tells us, not what my feelings 
are telling you, just like Jordan Peterson says, it's not about what I think, because they try to trap him into his own opinions, but it's what the studies and the research says. It's what it teaches us, what it tells us. So this is not my opinion, but this is what the Word of God says. Again, the question, why does God do all this for us? And I believe this with all my heart, without any ounce of doubt in my heart, because I believe it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm closing with this, and here is the answer. God does all this for his name's sake. I want you to write down, he does all this because, and underline this section, for his name's sake. For his name's sake. All of this, everything we have, the cross, the law, the forgiveness, the mercy that we receive, the infinite joy, the infinite rest, the refuge that we find in Christ, it's all for his name's sake. And I'm going to dive more into this next week because in verse 3 it says at the end, for his name's sake. Let me just give you a little prelude of what that means. It means that God, he stands alone. He is not a God who can and will lie. He is not a God that will change. He is not a God that will give you promise and take back. Meaning his word is true and his promises are forever because his name cannot be changed. His reputation is perfect. Who he is cannot be tainted. Just like when you vouch for someone. Oh, I vouch. When you vouch, when you tell that person about the other person, or oh, say, this person told you. Ronnie called you to go and see that person. And when that person has credibility, you're able to vouch that person according to that person's name. God's name is perfect. His reputation, who he is, his character, his love for us is perfect. It cannot be tainted by the mistakes of a human being. For his name's sake. That is why God does all this for us. He loves his people. He saves his people. He rescues his people. Why? It's for his name's sake. It is for his glory. It is all for his honor. He loves us for his name's sake. That's why we pray at the end. We pray all these things not in my thinking or in my name. We don't just say, I pray all this. Amen. We say what? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. He came to this earth. Fully man, fully God. For his namesake. He washed our feet, our head, our hands, and our feet. For his namesake. He died for us, for his namesake. He gave it all for you, for his namesake. What is his name? His name is Yahweh, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's why at the end of Revelation, 
we see these creatures who are covered with eyes in front and back. These four creatures looking like a lion, looking like an ox. Third, looking like a face of a man. Fourth, like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures, they have six wings and covered with eyes all around. And with all their might and with their power, it says, day and night, they will never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. Talking about the Trinity of God. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they will say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. By your will, they were created and have their being. Lead me. Lead me. Lead me. May that be your prayer this week. Let's all read together. Verse 2 of chapter 23. Ready? One, two, three. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Amen. all bow our heads and I'd like to invite the priest team to please come at this time just like Mary as you read in Luke chapter 10 as she reclined at the feet of Jesus as she rested at the feet of Jesus as she listened at the feet of Jesus as she was staying and being at the feet of Jesus. Can we, with our posture, and not just the posture in the physical, but in the heart and in the spirit, can we humble ourselves looking to Christ as what Christ did for us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, 7 through 8, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Can we recline at the feet of Jesus? Can we listen at the feet of Jesus? Can we rest at the feet of Jesus? Can we stay at the feet of Jesus? Can we pray to him right now and listen to his voice, listen to his words, and listen to his instructions, and let's pray that our hearts will be obedient towards him. Let us all pray together.
can keep praying. But if you're ready, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Let us start with verse 1. Let us just not make this a song that we're singing, but a prayer from our heart. Hide us now under your wings. When you're ready, let's all stand to our feet and worship together. Father, we reflect back upon our lives. I remember back even when I was young, in my teenage years, even during break at work, when I would listen 
and praise you and listen and worship you with this song still. I remember the tears and just remembering your love and your guidance, your comfort. That when I recline at the feet of Jesus, when I listen at the feet of Jesus, when I rest at the feet of Jesus, when I'm at the feet of Jesus, that God, you come and you comfort me. And you come and you fill us with your infinite, unlimited food, unlimited water. And in Christ, we have infinite joy. We have infinite peace. We have infinite rest. And we have infinite refuge. Lord, lead me. Lead us. Lead me. Teach me. For God, it is for your namesake. We declare today, not just with our lips, but with our heart, that you, Lord, are our everything. And God, as the psalmist declared, as David declared, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet, still waters. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this Sunday and for blessing us with this space and with the message that was delivered to us through Reverend Andrew this morning. Lord, you are our shepherd and we are your sheep and we desire to follow you obediently. Even though at times we are led to places we don't want to be, we trust you because we know that your thoughts and your ways are higher and greater than our own. We are lost and helpless without you, and we are blessed to be loved by you. As you lay us down, we pray for the humility to recline, to rest, to listen, and to simply be at your feet. And as you lead us, we desire to be healed, filled, and restored by you, for there is nothing in this world that can replace the infinite peace and refuge that is found in you alone. May your name be praised and glorified for all of eternity. At this time, we lift this offering up to you, thankful for you and for all that you have done for us. We pray that this offering will be pleasing to you and that it will be used to further your work. Please continue to watch over each of our members and protect them and their families this week. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you to give you peace. And now may the unending pursuit, the unending grace, and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, will guide you and keep you and protect you forevermore. And as God's people we pray, amen. And amen.